0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing late on Tuesday evening, might even be Wednesday morning, I don't know. Joining us from New York City, where he attended the Pelicans' victory over the New York Knickerbockers on Tuesday night. Pelicans coming off the schneid a little bit after a winning streak and beating the battered Knicks is Tim Bontemps.
1: Fellas, I got a got a big dose of James Williams Monday night here in New York, the Garden, at the uh, Pistons-Knicks game, and then got a whole other dose of James Williams in the The pod bowl between the Cavs and uh, Mavs tonight.
0: (laughs) Well, joining us from Dallas, Texas, where I'll bet there's some disappointed Mavs fans, angry Mavs fans. I'm not sure what, but that's Ben McMahon.
2: Howdy, partners. Those Mavericks fans are always disappointed and angry in me, at least. But, uh, hell, Max Struess broke some hearts. Gucci Mane drew some wrath. Tell you what, James Williams, a.k.a. Gucci Mane, guarantee you this. He doesn't measure up to six feet.
0: Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Here we go, right off the right off the top. <laughs> oh my God! Well, all right. Well, so tonight, Tuesday night, the Cavs and the Mavs played one of the better games of the NBA season, probably top for one percent. The Cavs were down by ten points. I guess the Mavs ahead by ten points. I mm-hmm. tend to talk things from the Cavs' angle. Sorry, the Mavs are ahead by ten points with what? About three minutes left. That's
2: why they're giving you a bobblehead in Akron, baby.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: Well, not everybody in the Cavs organization was happy with me today, some of the stuff I was talking about, but we'll talk about that in a second. But um, anyway, 10-point game with what, like three, four minutes left, McMahon? Yeah,
2: Yeah, 10-point game with just under four minutes left. Max Struess hits his first of five threes in the last 3.42. That's followed up immediately by Tim Hardaway passing the ball to Kyrie Irving. The problem was Hardaway was inbounding the ball and Kyrie was coming in down the ball, <laughs> so it ended up being a turnover. Uh, literally, Struis three, that turnover, Struis three six seconds later, and then it just got it got wild oh, man. down the stretch in that last minute.
0: Classic crazy NBA game. Um, Max Struis made what? What are we saying? A 55, 60-footer? They called it a – it's officially 59 a 59-footer, 59
2: 59 footer, and according to ESPN stats and info – That is the second-longest game-winning buzzer beater of the three-point era. Wow. You might recall Devontae Graham hit that 61-foot bank shot uh, Mm -hmm. in Oklahoma City. He was still on the Pelicans. That's the only one that's been longer.
0: Well, speaking of banks, the Cavs, I believe, made their last seven three-pointers in this game. Struess made five of them. Donovan Mitchell banked in a three-pointer in the final minute. There was a... Mildly controversial non-call where I don't know. was it Hardaway in the corner who kind of got mugged.
2: No, that was Josh Green right after Hardaway was pulled. Hardaway was pulled right after Max Struess hit his four three in a span of like I don't know eighty seconds.
1: Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> draw your exactly... own conclusions there. They
2: were attacking the Hardaway
1: Luca uh, duo. Exactly. Yeah, like, Se- uh, 67 seconds. Four threes and 67 go. seconds. That's pretty and, good.
2: And Strews had not cooled off uh, about two minutes of game time later. It was like, you know, the NBA jam, he's on fire and you could shoot it from oh, half yeah, court. Man. He was still on that mode with the game on the line.
1: Well, like, when he let it go, <laughs> it looked good the whole time. Well, 59 foot or nothing but net is pretty good.
0: Yeah, um, so anyway, there was a, a non-call and a three-point shot in the corner on Josh Green that Luca did not agree with. I will say this.
1: It
2: looked like a bugging.
0: Luca got back. It was definitely a call where Luca could have lost his mind. He got back. He he had but, commentary for the officials, but he got back.
2: He got back, and he did not get his second tee of the game, which would have been his 14th tee of the season. I'll be curious to see if this one holds up. It was not a sub-six-footer. It was... a. Uh, <laughs> Carl, uh, help me out with the name. They had Carl this, Lane, who's Carl like Lane, 77 on 77 crime, teed him up. Oh, yeah. But so Luca got back on that. But then it comes down to, like you said, the last there was 23.8 seconds left, and I'm sitting there going, "Are the Mavericks going to foul? Are the Mavericks going to foul?
0: Yeah. So the so the Mavericks are down by three. They elect no, that... they elect to go for a two pointer, right. And uh, Kyrie went a nice basket. And by the way, let me just say as a quick aside, I thought Kyrie and Luca looked awesome in this game. Yeah. The Mavericks, I think, had four or five turnovers as a team. Luca was awesome. Luca and Kyrie, both with big-time shot-making in the fourth quarter of this game down the stretch. I know they had a bad loss in, to the Pacers that snapped their winning streak the other night, McMahon.
1: But yeah. I'm watching
0: this game going, damn, The Mavericks look great. I mean, that duo,
2: that duo had 75 points on 53 shots, and they did commit four of the five turnovers, but only, you know, when you get 75 points, 17 assists, and four turnovers out of a duo, man, whoo, and honestly, like it's not like some shocking thing that they scored 75 points. They're good. They're good. For I know man. Like th- this is 60, one of those situations 70 on a nightly basis.
0: We'll go over this last sequence for a minute, but I was extremely impressed with the Mavericks and the way this game, they played this game. They just didn't close, which obviously you have to do mm-hmm. very impressive showing by the Mavericks in a loss. I mean, I, this kind game like soon sand. is going
1: to be beating the uh, the 96 the Bulls the I, way we're going. Here. Well, I, know. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to
0: tease me about the, uh, the, 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 the most competitive sweep. Well, yes. Um, that, hey, that Max
2: saying I'm the 96 Bulls, so I like the Mavs odds.
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the, the Mavs are down by three. There's 30 seconds left after Donovan Mitchell banks in a three. Um, I was explaining to my six-year-old, we were watching the game, and I was explaining to him the concept of the two-for-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure he quite grasped it. But so Kyrie scores and just doesn't beat. There's under 24 seconds, so the Mavs have to yeah. foul. And as you said, McMahon, they didn't immediately foul. They tried to trap, and next thing you know, we've got a potential loose ball foul. It's either a loose ball foul or a travel. It had, or a It, jump it, it ball. was
2: it was one or the other, and, and Gucci James man Williams, and crew, yeah, Gucci Mane and Crew went with none of the above. It's like no, dude. That was it's multiple choice, and that's not
0: on the list, right? James Williams, who was the lead official the night before Monday night in Madison Square Garden, where Dante Divincenzo tackled Asar Thompson with a true Pistons. form
1: tackle. Would have looked good at the combine in Indianapolis this week.
0: And James Williams, combine, who is the crew chief, Bontemps. James Williams is standing two feet from the play. Where's the New York an,
1: media now? That's there was an incredible picture in my old. Uh, my old publication, the New York Post, that had James Williams literally staring with the whistle in his mouth so bad. at Asar Thompson laying on the crowd next to Don T.B. Genso. It Still was not my
2: favorite James Williams picture. moment. That had to be when he took the Jazz Bears four-wheeler for a spin around the court while the Jazz were down like 73 points between quarters last
1: year. Like a that beat. former podcast of ours wasn't too thrilled about that moment. I think. <laughs> no, yeah, so, no, I mean, just not. real
0: quick, James Williams, who – is regarded as a good official. He is a lead, he is a crew chief. I I, I had to, I almost thought that that moment last year was like planned. But it was at the end of the season. <laughs> Nobody right? informed the Jazz of it. Yeah, well, the Jazz yes. were getting blown out and and he got on the little quad mini ATV that um yes. and drove it around it the court. One of
1: the stranger, one of the stranger things I've seen with the call I've last night is one of the stranger no calls I've seen and I I just watched this uh this Play with nine point two seconds a couple of times, and Darius Garland got thrown to the ground, and there either needed to be a foul or a tra- no. I'm just saying, like he yeah. went to the ground with it the was... ball. There did need to be a foul or a
0: travel. Yeah, now yeah, I will he, say he, about he, the... he came. Hold he came on, off on, the ground and landed on the ground again, and it was no call of anything.
2: I just want to clarify one thing. Like you said, it was a mini ATV because the big rigs he can't reach the Here gas pedals
0: on. <laughs> I am telling you, you are. <laughs> One of these days, one of these days. <laughs> Someone's going to bite my kneecaps.
1: <laughs> anyway, everyone, go on. Everyone, everyone is just getting a glimpse through this referee bit that McMahon is doing of just what it's like to just be around McMahon on a daily basis. It's just it's just always like this all the time. Now everybody knows.
2: But you know what, though?
1: Uh, James Williams and, and crew got bailed out because it's like,
2: was it a foul? Was it a... Uh, was it a walk? It was neither. Okay. And you know the Mavericks are all upset, whatever. And then the Cavs botched the inbounds play.
0: Yeah, they turned it over. Evan and then Mobley. it gets
2: knocked off of Garland. Not, Not a great a pass, pass from Evan Mobley. Yeah. And then was, I think Mobley then deflected the inbounds pass to Luka. Yes. So now there's the nine Mavericks seconds favor. left.
0: The Mavericks called timeout. Everybody's out of timeouts now. There's nine seconds left. The Mavericks are now down by one. The Mavs are inbounding the ball to Luka. J.B. Bickerstaff puts in a big lineup, takes mm-hmm. out both Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. That's going to be important in a second.
1: Ooh. Donovan Mitchell on the on the sidelines as the ball is being inbounded, doing the side of the cross. Which I thought it was a funny shot that they caught.
0: Well, J.B. Right Bickerstaff agrees with McMahon. He doesn't want anybody out there less than 6'5". And so <laughs> Evan Mobley deflects the inbounds pass, but Luka tracks it down. So Evan Mobley makes a really good play doesn't result in the turnover, but almost wins the Cavs the game.
2: Yeah, Coro goes for the steal. Luca tracks it down. Next thing you know, he's he's bolting into the lane.
0: Luca is going into the lane and you're thinking this guy's gonna score. And the Cavs collapse on Luca and Luca as cool as a cucumber, not even an issue, dumps it off to PJ Washington, who's open under the wide open under the basket. And Jared makes a Allen, nice
1: finish in traffic.
0: Jared yeah. Allen makes a brilliant recovery from coming out to help on Luca to go back and I think he puts his hand on the ball.
1: Oh Mavs
2: fans said that he put his hand on the arm.
0: Oh, well maybe he did oh, I'm
2: just, well, either way, out. it was a we'll heck of a last it, two... it
1: was a heck of a finish by PJ Washington. All of a sudden yeah. it looked like he had a dunk and then it was like he had to finish around some so it,
2: And it was There's, the finishing touches on it's Slovenian night in right. Cleveland. And here yep. Luca is on his last night as a twenty four year old. 45 points, 9 rebounds, 14 assists, a few steals, just a total masterpiece performance. It the was. The finishing touches, the game-winning assist. Oh, but it was not the game-winning so assist. So there's
0: 2 point-something seconds left. 2.6. 2. 2. Well, 2. Two anyway. The Cavs have no timeouts, and they have no guard on the court. I guess they had Karis LeVert. He was on the court, but they did oh, not Max. have Garland. Max
1: has played a lot of shooting guard. He likes to shoot. He's on the court. He, he was, he was doing so it awfully well down the stretch.
0: They ran the uh, they ran the only thing that they could. Now, I will say this. JB didn't have one of his ball-handling scorers on the court, but he did have a play called. Yeah. So I'll give him that. JB Bickerstaff had a play called, which was a hook and ladder. Um, Struce inbounded it to uh, Evan Mobley, and Evan Mobley just laddered it back to him. Struce immediately chased the ball after he inbounded it. It was reminiscent of the play that Boise State ran against Oklahoma. Um <laughs> it wasn't. I do, yeah, I don't I don't think about.
1: that's what you meant.
0: They threw they they threw it over the middle. Did you mean the Didn't you mean the
1: the Bryce Drew shot? That was what it was Well, reminiscent on, the,
0: of. on the Valparaiso shot, they threw it three quarters of the way down the court. This was like in midfield.
1: Well, yeah, I guess. And Matt and, and ran, uh, the in, ran the hook and ran the
0: hook and left. And uh struce uh Struce threw it in from 59 feet. Breaking the, the Mavericks hearts. There was a couple of unbelievable the, the the ball goes in the basket right in front of the Mavericks bench. And as the the camera zooms in, as you see the ball go through the basket, it's perfectly framed with some of the Mavericks players. Absolute like swish of
1: 59 feet too. Didn't even graze the rim. And
0: uh, and I think it was Markeith Morris who had like the incredible one where you see, like it looks this pain on his face as it goes through the net. But um, so obviously crazy sequence in the game. Last two-minute report is gonna be a mess. The the folks in the league office who deal with the last two-minute reports and the referee evaluations are having a very rough time right now. <laughs> this is gonna be a, another rough last two-minute report. But so that game, you know, for the Cavs who've been struggling, they'd lost three out of the last five. We'll talk about that in a second. And every one of these games. From now till the rest of the season, with in the West, is like huge, huge consequences. The Mavericks go from fifth to eighth from in, yep. in, by losing, so yeah, that could um, end up
1: being a hugely
2: consequential. Well, they, they went from loss, they went, yeah, they went fifth to eighth on Sunday, and then they just fell a little bit further back uh in eighth tonight. Oh, right,
0: that's right. They you lost. Know, on they Sunday. are
2: half game back of the Kings, full game back of the uh, Suns, who they do have the tiebreaker on, and now a game and a half behind the Pelicans, yep. who are sitting there. In fifth, and look, the Mavericks just had a seven-game winning streak. This obviously was a crazy game. Luca and Kyrie are efficiently just lighting it up. Um, Honestly, I'm not going to really worry too much about other guys' offensive numbers if Luca and Kyrie are putting up 75. uh, PJ Washington did make some plays there down the stretch. The defense is not—it's not not been a good trip for that revamped Dallas defense, and it's interesting. They consistently are closing with Maxi Kleba at center, which, again, isn't necessarily shocking if you go back and, and look at the team that went on the West Finals run. But when the best personnel move that you've made since the Luka draft was drafting Derek Lively the second, and then you gave up a future pick swap to a team that's going to be really good then to get Daniel Gafford. Which is a first for him.
1: Right. Yeah, but they Grant, they right?
2: traded a pick, swapped Oklahoma City. Oh,
1: that's right to get the first. Right. That's right. 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 And
2: so, you know, Daniel Gafford tonight played seven minutes. That's it's expensive insurance if if that's what ultimately he ends up being. PJ Washington, his offensive numbers haven't been great. He has fit very well. He does make them longer, more athletic, a little bit more dynamic because he can put it on the floor. And 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 we'll see. We'll see how the. The defense isn't as good as it was during the seven-game win streak when it was at like a league-best level. Uh, they better hope it's not as bad as it's been these last couple of games. Obviously, you know the Pacers make a lot of defenses look bad, and then the Cavs just, <laughs> like you said, when they, they hit their last seven threes. Well, and yeah, by the so, way,
1: just real yeah. quick on the schedule, we're you know we're talking more Dallas is at. Tough back-to-back in Toronto Wednesday night against a rested Raptors team that's just won three in a row, just pounded got, Indiana and, on Monday. And I'm,
0: I assume had a big pizza party tonight.
1: Yeah, Darko, yeah. Darko Ryakovich had said he was going to buy the team uh, dinner if they won three in a row, which they finally did for the first time by beating Indiana Monday. Then Do there you think things-
0: that NBA players appreciate getting free food? Yes. Do you think right. that's a uh, – they pretty much live in a world where – they live. They swim in free gear and free. food. I'm sure they
1: were happy to make yes. their coach pay for food. Free food I, is I always good. So. They then the Dallas then is in Boston Friday. Not exactly an easy game. Hold on. Turn around and play at you, home Sunday afternoon against Philly. Philly's obviously what, been scuffling. What's then they that have right? Indiana and Miami. That's a pretty tough week. You know. Listen, the,
2: you're, you're you're leaving out a key event. You've got this back right? to back against Toronto. Yeah. Then Luca's birthday party, he turns oh. twenty five while they're in Toronto, which oh. is a city where good times have been had by NBA players in the past. That is that it's, is it's, true. It's, it's it's certainly within the realm of possibilities. So you've got the back to back birthday party, a day of recovery, and then uh Luca the, on the road without the his needing. newborn
0: baby to pause. No diapers, no crying midnight feedings. You know, after,
2: after Luca's um, 21st birthday party, he sat out the next game with a uh, a sprained left thumb that I don't believe ever appeared on the injury report again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, then Dallas has Detroit, Chicago, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Denver. So this is going to be a pretty big 10 games for them to see how they well, every every like
0: just- Yeah, every stretch of games, the rest of the West I- – but yes, I, I understand say,
1: that. It's just a, it's a particularly difficult ten games, and you know, let's we'll see where they're at in a couple of weeks when it's over. So,
0: McMahon, I, I watched Dallas play uh, the Suns last Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, and I watched them play the majority of the game on Tuesday night. Kyrie and hey, Kyrie hey. and Luca, if they, I mean, like, look, uh, this thirty and forty five, okay, that's not going to happen. Maybe every night.
2: It happens. Not. It's not like a a total outlier. This it's not is not like a shocking uh, development.
0: Yeah, I, I like. I walk away from this game, kind of feeling better about where Dallas is than I do where Cleveland is. To be honest with you,
2: look, they're going to be you know? a, as long as those two are healthy, they're going to be a damn good offensive team. That might be the best offensive duo in the league. If not, it's it's very high uh, yep. on that list. I mean, Luka is leading league in scoring. Efficiently, and this was his twelfth forty-point game uh, of the season.
0: You know, almost as many as Tex. <laughs> we have right. more forty-point games or more more Tex by the S. Yes. Yes.
2: People might think I'm being sarcastic here, but I'm not. Dante Exum might play in Toronto. He's been out for a while. If, if he doesn't play in Toronto, he's he's on the verge of coming back. Now, obviously, there might be some rust to chip off or whatever. I'm telling you, Dante Exum could be a key, key factor. And he was before he went out. He had earned – he he moved in the starting lineup when Kyrie was out for a while. He was going to stay in there and, and be bumped to the three. Then he ends up getting hurt. Dante Exum is their best three and D guy. He's their best combination of on-ball defense and the ability to hit Spot up threes with a little bit of playmaking. Um, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be. I don't think Jason Kidd knows exactly what his role is going to be. They're kind of figuring out how all these pieces fit together. But you know, I I think Dante Exum could be a major X factor for this team going down the stretch of the season and you know, perhaps into the playoffs.
0: All right, now the Cavs. The Cavs. Had won nine games in a row right before the All-Star break. They split their last two games in an unimpressive fashion. Lost their first two games out of the break in unimpressive fashion. Donovan Mitchell missed those first two games with an illness. But they have been sliding a little bit recently. Then he came and,
1: back and they won in very unimpressive fashion in Washington on Sunday yes. with Donovan. Where did
0: he pick up that illness? Cabo? I be- I don't think he was in Cabo, but I don't know. I think he was on He the wasn't host. in Cabo. I think it was on the
1: And he wasn't in Cabo.
0: Anyway, the thing with the Cavs is they've got this conundrum about they're putting their five best players on the court and it actually leading to their best basketball. Talked about this earlier, about how they really thrived about spreading the floor and only playing with one big man, one true big man, uh, while Mobley, Evan Mobley was out for six weeks and replacing Darius Garland, who's having the worst three-point shooting season of his career with guys who shot three pointers very, very effectively. And the Cavs offense went from like 25th to like third in that stretch. Hmm. And so they've been dealing with the elephant in the room, which is that when they put all their guys out there, they're not that good. Uh, I shouldn't say they're not that good because I'll get fiery anger. They're not as good as they were before.
1: And so the fit, the fit is clunky
0: good night. Evan Mobley. Yeah, and, uh, look, just
1: here's
2: the here's the numbers. Their their net ratings plus one point seven, with uh, with their starting five on the floor, which is so it's not bad, but it's not well awesome, and, and it's, it's not, awesome. not as good as they are when when they split
0: the. They, they were they were plus nine, I think, while those guys were out. Now tonight, Evan Mobley, he didn't play poorly. He had twelve points, nine rebounds, seven assists, and I want to. Be extraordinarily clear before I say this: Ooh. that this is not a commentary on Evan Mobley the player. Well, here we go. It it's is a commentary, a commentary on Evan
2: Mobley that, the power forward,
0: <laughs> the fit.
2: Power he's a forward. non-shooting tonight. Forward. Tonight, tonight That's what he's a non-shooting center who plays power forward a lot.
0: Okay, uh-huh. tonight Evan Mobley had a negative plus-minus. He has been back for thirteen games. Okay, from his knee injury, the Cavs have won. 10 of those games they are 10 and 3 with him in the lineup since he came back of those 13 games he has had a negative plus minus in eight of them and zero he had a zero plus minus in one he's had a positive plus minus in four of 13 games now i'm not saying that tonight it's in and of itself was indicative of you know because he it's not a commentary on his play in this particular game but he has not had a positive plus minus i believe in six games
1: Well, what was a commentary on his performance today and on the Cavs' performance today was in the closing minutes of the game, Max Struess was matched up with P.J. Washington, a power forward who couldn't really guard him because the Cavs went very small. And for the final basically seven minutes of the game, they had Karis LeVert, Max Struess, and the two guards out there with Jared Allen. And Evan Mobley was on the bench until about 26 seconds left. And when Max Struess got going in that stretch late in the game, it was because they couldn't really the the Dallas had two bigs out there and couldn't really yeah. keep up. And the floor being spaced, having Max it, be able to take advantage of that matchup was a significant are you count, part. Are kind of
2: counting it. Washington is a big.
1: He's I, he's not a wing. Yes, he is. He's a wing. Okay, he's not a first of all. He's not a wing. Second of all, he can't guard Max Strus. Well, is he point. wasn't.
2: Luca was guarding Max Struess and then Hardaway, and neither one of those guys did either. Well,
1: they
0: they were scrambling trying to keep up with the game guarding at four. power forward, and he started the game, and so did Evan Mobley. I mean, whatever you want to power say. Power
2: forward, <laughs> unless you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, power forward is a wing position in today's NBA. Oh, well, then I would the I
1: would say PJ Washington is a four slash five, I not agree. a not smaller. But no. this is In not Dallas, worth the he's argument. A four,
2: he's a four slash three.
1: Well, yes, the All Mavericks right, have fine. 17 centers on their team. The point is, the the, the Cavs had four guards out there with a the center to space the floor. Yep, And and Dallas was scrambling to try to guard them.
0: Okay, so here's the other thing. And I will take incoming, because I go on Cleveland radio and say some Ooh. of these same things. And I take, And I take incoming on this. Evan Mobley was on a minute restriction for... Three weeks when he came back from the knee surgery, and rightly so. And so J.B. Bickerstaff kind of managed the the minute restriction by making sure he ran out of minutes midway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> and you know, no one no one ever said anything about it, but it was kind of like, well, Evans out, he's hit his he twenty. Magically
1: minutes. coming out with seven minutes to go in the game, and Jared Allen would finish the game. Like you I think today. that's called a happy coincidence? So yes. Evan, Mobley's, exactly what it is.
0: Evan Mobley's minute restriction has ended. Ended after the All Star break, and he's still playing the exact same amount of minutes. Now, when I said the I, I, way I said this on radio today in Cleveland was that we know that J.B. Bickerstaff knows there's a problem because he's not increasing Evan Mobley's minutes. And I was told, even though his minute restriction was lifted, that they are still being very cautious on his minutes because they played three games in four nights. Okay, tonight he played 28 minutes. So, and and it's not just him. There's also some some issues with Garland because when Donovan Mitchell plays, he's basically been the point guard for most of the season. He's averaging the most assists in his career. So when Donovan's playing point guard, Garland has to kind of be a floor spacer because they were playing, you know, Sam Merrill, who was like practically leading the NBA in three-point shooting as getting a lot of the minutes. And. Garland is not a floor spacer. Yeah,
1: he's, he's a point guard. He's a ball they, they handler. Got, they got two guys right. trying to do the same thing at the guard spot, and they got two guys trying to do the same thing at the big spot. That's the problem. They There's just right. a lot of overlap. They're all good I am, players. I'm
0: going to take – the heat is going to be on for me talking about this after this huge Cavs win. Well, I hope some um,
1: aggregators really add to it.
0: So, anyway
1: – Look, for everybody in Cleveland who wants the team to be a championship-level team, like this is the this is the thing that has to get solved if the Cavs want to be in the conference finals or in the finals or competing for a title like they have to figure out how to make this whole mix work with these four guys this is the existential question there and you again the key part of the game Evan Mobley was watching on the bench
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's a pretty mm-hmm. significant thing
0: and it was as we're moving and, forward. and that and that and that alignment helped them win the game yeah again not because Evan Mobley stinks but because it doesn't fit. This
2: is 2024. Right.
0: Okay. listen. So,
2: the Cavs would be one of the favorites in 1998 for sure. And they still are a 2008. good team. Yeah, and they still are a good team, but it's just that style of play is very difficult in today's NBA. So Cavs, Mobley, it's, it's tough and, to have two non-shooters on the floor regardless in today's NBA.
1: And, and Evan Mobley, like we've talked about a bunch, is a talented player who has not really progressed as an offensive player. And the lack of an outside shot is causing a lot of problems. And you look at what Scotty Barnes and Chad Holmgren have done—two guys who are in the same age range as him. Those guys are legitimate threats from three, and it's changed the way teams have to guard them. And Evan hasn't yet. Doesn't mean he can't.
0: And but he I hasn't also yet. say that because I'm big bag national media, most of the Cavs starters were in negative plus minus tonight, including, including M- for, M- for a lot Cruz. of the game.
1: For a lot of the game, Mitchell and. Allen had worse plus minuses than. But uh,
0: the reason is because their Garland. starting lineup doesn't function well, right? As a group. Hey, okay. What was the, now,
2: What was the minivan's plus minus?
0: The bench destroyed the the Mavericks bench tonight. We're all what about destroyed.
1: the minivan on this pod.
0: I'll just say this: so the Cavs have had a during this stretch where they've been very, very good. I think there's something like uh, twenty and four in their last twenty four, something like that. They've had a va- very favorable schedule. Uh, I'll just point out that out of those 20 wins, four of them came against the Wizards. Okay. And they play the Bulls, who just lost to the Pistons.
2: Hey, what's wrong with the Wizards? Kyle Kuzman (laughs) thought they were in better shape than the Mavericks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the Wizards are actually the worst team in the NBA right now. It's, you know, they're 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 tied. Yeah, they're tied with, with Detroit, but Detroit is playing a lot better. So the Cavs play the Bulls on Wednesday, the day this pod comes out, and then they play the Pistons on Friday. And then their schedule... Takes a major, major turn. Sunday, they play the Knicks. Now, I don't know who is going to be able to be available for that game for the Knicks. The Knicks are battling through, but that's a, whenever they play the Knicks, it's a big, it's a big challenge because of what happened in the playoffs last year. Tuesday, I think Bontemp's is going to Cleveland because the Celtics are coming to Cleveland. So they play the we'll, Knicks we'll and the see. Celtics.
1: I may be there. I may be there. No,
0: Maybe I won't be there at the spot. Maybe I'll
2: have to hide. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't, didn't he like most wanted in Cleveland?
0: I might be up there after some of the things I said about the the proud. Yes. The you, were proud
2: so mean. you
1: were so mean about the Cavs. So Rubber Ducks
2: ain't giving Bond Timbs a bobblehead.
1: I know that. No, nobody gives me a bobblehead. So,
0: head. Knicks, Celtics, then they, the week after that, they play three of the better Western Conference teams all in a row. Or I guess they play the Nets in there, but Timberwolves, Suns, Pelicans. So, hey, the
2: Nets just had a one game winning streak. <laughs> well, quickly end the, it. the Nets have uh, two big games. <laughs> convincingly.
0: The Nets have two big games with the Hawks this week to fight for the tenth seed in the Eastern Conference. Oh, stop! Just, big games, big big games for the play-in last. Well, if play-in the Hawks spot, if the Hawks big, win big those games two games for the Rockets
2: lottery odds.
1: Listen, if the Hawks if
0: the Hawks win those two games, the,
1: you know it especially with Trey Young now being out. I mean, they'll be up six in the loss column with like twenty two games to go. The thing will be over for sure at that point. If but I they lose them both, then it's two, and then they got a shot.
0: I'm just saying, you know, the Cavs are, you know, three and three in the last six games and they have some real tough games in the next 10 days. So maybe they get it ironed out. Like, you know, Darius Garland is a former all-star. I mean, the guy has the ability to put up enormous numbers. They were the number seven offense last year playing with this starting lineup minus Max Struess. It's not like it's impossible for it to happen. Mobley's three-point shooting has been improving. It doesn't really matter because they don't guard him. What you need is for them to be guarded out there. That opens the lane for Donovan Mitchell to go to work. It also,
1: yeah, to be it, fair, to it also, up. to be clear, hasn't really been improving. He had one game where he hit, I think, three threes. No, he same. had a stretch there. He did. He had a stretch. He, he had two games where he hit shots, and he basically like has five or six shots. games. Okay.
0: He's defending because he's tall, Fontems.
1: Yes, I know. It's all <laughs> it's all about the heightism here on the pot.
0: So uh, this was an interesting moment in, in, in addition to a fascinating game, an interesting moment for both these teams. Cause I'm not sure where the Cavs are going to go, uh, and I'm pretty interested in where the Mavericks go after that.
2: Well, All I'll right. tell you what, the Cavs got a little, uh, little Bucks kind of zooming up behind them.
0: Yeah, um, I was saying last week that I really thought that the Bucks. I mean, it wasn't really a hot take, I don't think, but I thought that the Bucks were primed to. I thought they were. They were showing some signs that they were going to improve, and they've had a couple of good wins since the All Star break, including winning. Actually, right before the All Star break, they won in Minnesota, which was a really good win. Uh, no, right before no, the All Star was... break, they farted oh, that's all over right. the place. Right after they, the All Star break, they opened the All
1: Star break beating Minnesota, and then that's they beat right. a very injured Billy team and a bad Charlotte team. But how they how did beat you, the bad that. Charlotte team by a thousand points. How before dare you? Charlotte they went on had been
2: red hot. Early, they did beat Denver too, so they've they've had some nice wins lately. Yeah. and look, they beat they beat the
1: Charlotte Hornets.
2: It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat the Hornets these days and they did it by about 72
0: points. Caught the Hornets at the end of that road trip.
2: More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: All right, it's been a tough week for NBA officials. A tough season for NBA officials. Bon Temps, you were there in the Garden on on Monday night with the Knicks situation. They had a sort of interesting karmic turn. Because two weeks ago in Houston, you remember Jalen Brunson gets called for the foul at the end of the game on uh, Jalen Green, was it? If, no,
1: Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday.
0: Yeah.
2: Regardless, it was a it was a a whoops pool report. Just like this one was a whoops pool report. Yeah, no, at least
1: in that instance, you could have said if you were the officials, "Yeah, we messed this call up." But you also had the ability to challenge it. Had you not messed your challenge up earlier, which the Knicks did, but they still right, messed. But it the, the key is, is that right.
0: in the is it it had been very rare for the officials to admit a mistake in the pool report. You know, which is the interview that they give right after the game. Usually, they you know it's you know they sort of give their name, rank, and serial number. And say that the foul or whatever was called because but, you know and they usually unusual. only
1: admit it if it's an egregious miss.
0: And we've had two egregious misses in that have directly impacted games in two weeks. Like I said, it wasn't a great showing tonight either. The other thing that we've been seeing this year is we've been seeing l- the loss of composure from referees, just ejecting guys like out of nowhere. It, it it's not been the greatest season for officiating. And you guys know that I am usually a staunch defender of officials. Too small. Too it's small. been, it's been tough it's enough been tough.
1: with the too small enough.
0: It's been tough Bon And, um, it's not something that's easily fixed and it's not something that, you know, you can do about it. You just got to be better as a long story short.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, We're dealing with the human element here, right? And you're going to have mistakes at times. And that is just part of the game in general. People are going to miss shots. People are going to miss calls. The call, the the whole thing on Monday was brutal. I mean, it was a crazy sequence. I, you know, we as a group put together the questions for the pool reporter, Brian Mahoney from the Associated Press did it with James Williams, who was the crew chief. And you could have, I thought there could have been a foul call on... The play when Josh Hart knocked it away from Simone Fontecchio, they argued that there wasn't one. I'm not sure Josh Hart got fouled on the shot he made over Jalen Duren. They said that that was also a correct call. But James Williams, like I said, the post had one of the best shots ever of him literally just staring at this car crash in front of him and just <laughs> watching it. My favorite part, if you go back and watch it, Jalen Brunson picks up the ball and looks like a kid who got some candy he wasn't supposed to, and he kind of <laughs> yeah. like... Looked around, was like, oh, all right, we're good, and then went and ended up passing to Josh Hart to win the game.
2: And it's like it's like in Halloween where you're you're checking, hey, do they have a, a yes a, a ring cam? Because they're boy, these are like full <laughs> yes. size candy these bars. And there's a bunch ass, of them,
1: just big in, big full here. candy bars that we got in our hands. But listen, can I just uh,
0: make call a quick timeout? That wasn't a story from McMahon's childhood. We didn't have ring cams when we were kids. <laughs> that's a story from the last decade. Hey, it means that do... McMahon is not only trick or treating, but you know, stealing. I don't. From I just. Kids.
1: I can relate to the immature little brats. That's all. Well, listen, we know okay. McMahon is a heightist, so he's probably taking the candy from the kids because they're too short. Saying, "Hey, these kids can't have this candy."
2: Yeah, I just let the kids do the candy, and then I just rob them. <laughs> I'll uh, do the trick sounds, or treating,
1: and I'm just coming that, in as a, as a bully on those little fellows. All right. That sounds about right. So, there, there's also some added backstory on this Pistons thing. So, Saturday night, nice. Pistons are playing Orlando. The last two minute report claims Paolo Banquero did not travel on what was a game winning shot. Paolo hits a nice shot over Jalen Duran. He pretty clearly looked like he traveled to me. He hopped. I don't know if did. He did a, yes. yeah. a
0: full on hop in the middle was, of his. The it, last two sure,
1: report didn't say that was a travel. I didn't know. No, mean, they, they okay. claimed it was a they claimed it was a correct no call, which okay, fine. They they lean towards saying they're right if it's a 50-50-ish call. I thought he traveled pretty clearly. The Pistons were angry about that. Monday's game, which was at the garden, was originally supposed to be in Detroit. However, when the <laughs> Knicks were in the in-season tournament, <laughs> now we need to back way up. As the in-season tournament was playing out. The NBA made this big show of saying, well, listen, some teams are going to get an extra home game and some teams are going to get an extra road game. And that's just how it's going to be. And that's how it, that's just, you'll just have to deal with it.
0: Right. And that's so, like wow. how like uh, Indiana and Milwaukee end up playing five times. It just, right. it just happens.
1: Just yeah. how it, just how it went. Well, the Knicks, because the Knicks lost on the road in the first, in the quarterfinals to the Bucks there was some scheduling issue at the garden. I I can't remember what it was, but they had to play the Celtics on the road in the other game, the other makeup game. So because of that, they were down a road game or they were down a home game for the year. So the NBA just out of nowhere, a couple weeks later, just sends out this email and says, this Pistons game has been rescheduled, is being played at the garden now, which is very clearly the NBA saying, this team stinks. We're going to just take a home game from them and we'll give it to the Knicks because the Knicks are right. in the playoffs.
2: And we'll have a full house there. Right. Probably not so much in Detroit. Right. Yeah. The, Although, the under- listen, if I know some of those New York media members, they weren't happy. They got screwed out of airline miles, Marriott points, and apparently like the best uh, media pregame meal in the league.
1: The Knicks writers were not upset to not have to fly to Detroit. I can tell you that. However, <laughs> this this email comes out of nowhere a couple weeks after the tournament's over. It just says, announces, Knicks get an extra home game. And yes, the Pistons get the gate. I'm sure they get, I'm sure, it's why the Pistons agree because they're sure they make more money off a Nick game. Bottom line is, they have this call go against them on Saturday. They're down a home game that they should be playing anyway at home. And then this call happens after the game, a game where they outplayed the Knicks for a large stretch of it. Quentin Grimes, who had been traded away, had a great fourth oh. quarter.
0: He, went, he made what he thought was the winning basket. Quentin Grimes, who wanted to be out of New York, makes this driving layup that's going to be a fantastic the hero shot. Basket.
1: Evan Fournier hit a ton of shots in the fourth quarter. Those two guys basically brought the Pistons back, had the game, seemed like they had it won. And then it gets yanked out from underneath them at the last second on this call. And again, I will give James Williams some credit for admitting he got it wrong as the crew chief when he was staring at it. And,
0: Yeah, he could have let it just show up in the last two-minute report. I mean,
2: admitting you had it wrong—that's like when Wendy voted Joker as MVP after lobbying the whole time for (laughs) Embiid. Like it's at some point, the the the. I was saying
0: that Embiid shouldn't have been disqualified because he had a sprained ankle. My my My
2: point is. If you're wrong, 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 and then admit it at the end, you don't get credit. I'm just saying, I give, I'm give.
1: i giving a slight modicum of of give back on that as opposed to claiming, for example, that Asar Thompson didn't have control of the ball and therefore it wasn't <laughs> a foul, which is like, oh, sure. That could have been attempted to be done. That would have been insane. Even so, if
2: he didn't have control of the ball, are you allowed to form tackle a guy
1: who doesn't that, have yes. the ball? That was literally what loose, someone said to me. It's a loose ball, ball and, foul at worst, yes, right? It, it is, <laughs> right. It's obviously a loose ball, ball foul. Them. But look, The the bottom line is the NBA has been dealing for years now with a talent drain from its veteran officials for a variety of reasons, injury, COVID, retirement, et cetera. And as a result, we've seen pretty hefty top of the talent pool lopped off in the past several years. And ironically, these calls have been being messed up. What's that?
0: They lost an official to Twitter.
1: Oh, well, yes. Eric Lewis. Yes. (laughs) Uh, who was one of the
0: best officials in the league, uh, by the way. An
1: excellent official. Right. They've lost, you know, Ken Maurer was is part of this COVID lawsuit. He was one of the best officials in the league. He's left. Monty McCutcheon's outrunning the officials. He left reffing. Duke Callahan and Danny Crawford retired. There's been a bunch of them. Yeah. So these guys have all left. They have to replace them. The irony is these mistakes that have been made in recent games have been made by guys who've been doing it for a while. That's James Williams certainly been doing it for a while. Jason Goble obviously is famous for missing the call against the Lakers last year, which then seemed to cause the Lakers to get every call guy for the next who, six months. Jason but,
0: Goble was the guy who made the call on Brunson in Houston, and also the guy who made the call, or non-call, in Boston not call last on year when LeBron went to the basket, where yes. Pat Bev got the the camera. But the but point is the this is... Who,
2: he wasn't the one who Pat Bev showed the camera, though. I forgot which... which that, one was I I that was Eric Lewis. That was that was Eric Lewis. Yes. That right. was Eric Lewis, yes.
1: <laughs> so that's a long-winded way of saying... As we get closer to the playoffs, this is going to be a topic that continues to come up and it's going to be something to monitor because as the pressure on these games ramps up, the players it ramps up and for the officials it ramps up. And as we know, like we saw today, like that was a a pretty intense game, that Cavs-Mavs game, and it got pretty funky. At the end. It
2: was just like, what the hell is going on?
1: Yes. And that was what happened in the final 30 seconds of the game at the Garden, which the Pistons are not a good team, but that was an intense game. Pistons are desperately trying to get some wins. or are playing better lately. Had a great win tonight on the second night of a back-to-back in Chicago. You but- want
0: to know why it was a great win? Because it was their ninth win, which I know we're still in February, but I they had lost you. 28 in a row at one point. Well, Those it, go- and I...
1: Look, and they deserve credit because I mean, look, they added a couple guys. Like Grimes is back; he's a good player, he's playing well. But like, they have been playing a lot better recently. Kate Cunningham has been awesome. They, like I said, they played a great game against Orlando. They played, they outplayed the Knicks on Monday. Knicks have been a mess for a while with all these injuries. They got to get healthy, but they deserve to win the game Monday. That was a really impressive win to come back and win.
0: Nine wins um, is the fewest wins Chicago. in a full NBA season. The, the Bobcats, the Charlotte Bobcats, had less than that in a lockout shortened season. I think they had six, but seven trust me there was were it seven okay
1: seven and 59
0: <laughs> <laughs> well the but the 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 record that is recognized is the 72 73 philly 76ers who went 973. Nine, and, nine 73 nine so the pistons have now gotten out of that zone i'll give them one more win between now i don't know if i'm giving the wizards one more when the wizards also have nine wins but we will not see a new record at least for that considering they set the no. record for 28 consecutive losses uh i'm not saying they were break it open any champagne after this one, but uh, I'm Listen, sure that getting that ninth win. I'm
1: sure they felt I'm sure they felt good bouncing back and winning today after yesterday. They're gonna, they if if Washington doesn't win another game the
2: rest of the year, they've got to change their nickname to the Lizards because you can't have a W at the beginning if you only have nine of them all year. <laughs> uh, we can get like, you know, iguanas, geckos, whatever for the
0: mascot.
2: More Hoop Collective Podcast after this.
0: All right, Bon Temps, you had a story a that came out with Kevin Pelton on Tuesday about the offensive explosion in the NBA this year and what the NBA is think, what the NBA thinks about it. And this is something that routinely, when I run into people out in the world, ran to a couple of gentlemen in Las Vegas over the weekend where I was.
2: Couple of gentlemen, yeah. What are these like of, sh- shady gambler types or what? I mean, what what's going on here?
0: That's for me to know uh you know who recognize me and like you know this is why i often hear this from people who are not really nba fans they'll they'll complain about they'll complain about traveling and i and i have a i have a a, an answer for traveling and i always say this to um to people from europe the europeans that i deal with when i do the cover team usa and i'm you know dealing with all kinds of europeans who talk about how the nba game is you know crap compared to the pure game that they play in europe which is They do play a pure game in Europe. And I say, yeah, I agree that it's a more fundamentally sound game that you play in Europe and next to nobody watches it. They like when people maybe get an extra half step and throw down a dunk or whatever. And they want people to watch the game. I understand you don't want that in game seven of the NBA Finals, but let's just keep our eye on the ball. The other thing I hear about recently is. There's no defense play in the in the NBA, you know. Uh, I mean, they've been saying that for years, but now they're like, you know, every game's 146 to 142. Well, that is kind of an interesting and inf- more game, more fair criticism. And Bontemps, you talked to Joe Dumars and some other people in the league about it, you and Kevin Pelton, and what did you learn?
1: Well, the, I think the most... Immediate thing I learned was that the NBA's competition committee is officially studying whether to make any changes to the rules to potentially give defenses more of a fair shake, which was sort of the news peg of the story. Um, that is actually potentially going to be on the table, I'd assume, this summer once they spend a few months looking at it. But look, I mean, it's a combination of a few things. We just talked earlier about the Cavs and Evan Mobley, right? And 20 years ago, Evan Mobley not shooting threes wouldn't have been a problem at all because as Mike Brown, the coach of the Cavs 20 years years ago. ago. Well, Mike Brown was coaching the Cavs and started in 2005, as you know. And he, when I talked to him for the story, he was like, look, when I started coaching, there was maybe a guy on each team and probably not even that you really worried about shooting the ball from three. Now you're worried about every guy basically on every team shooting (laughs) the ball from three. Now, when,
2: when when centers come into the league on the scouting report, it's noted as a flaw if they can't shoot the three. Right. Twenty years ago, Dirk was revolutionizing the game because he was a power forward who could shoot the three. Shoot, shoot right. the
0: three. He shoot. He was shooting twenty footers. He wasn't even shooting the three. He shooting I mean, he three, shot. I was just did shoot threes, but he was. You know, well, his, right. the classic the, the, Dirk shot was from the nail.
2: But the term like stretch four was a thing because it was unique. Right now, if you're not a stretch four, you're called a bench warmer.
1: Right, Chris Bosh. When Chris Bosh started shooting threes with the with the Heat to space the floor for LeBron and Dwayne Wade, it was this mind blowing, revolutionary thing. You know, now you've
2: got now you've got stretch rim protectors. Like Chet Holmgren has 150 blocks and 100 100 threes, and we've got plenty of season left to play.
0: So and say, we've and talked
1: speak- about that from the beginning. That's why that's why that's been such a big deal, right? Having him space the floor at center gives Shea Gillis-Alexander all these avenues to cut into the lane, all this extra space for him and Jalen Williams, these guys to operate. Like that's that we spent so much of the year talking about why that's been crucial to their success.
0: And speaking of Mike Brown, like occasionally, if you ever want to watch or you can just go onto YouTube and look at it. Mike Brown was the coach for LeBron when he had that famous game in Detroit in 2007 where he scored 29 of 30 points
1: 48 special
0: <clears throat> I am sorry to say this. It's almost unwatchable not, not not the LeBron plays, but like if you watch the game, it's an awful Dude, when awful you watch
2: game when you watch old basketball, even like the Showtime Lakers who are like this ridiculously entertaining team, their half court is hard to watch. One were, guy
1: dribbling the ball with one guy guarding him and four guys standing around near the paint.
2: Got, yeah, guys are spotting up at sixteen feet. It's it's insane to watch. Now you're just like, dude, back up. It's, and yeah, so, it's another sport. Like, okay, studies the thing. Here's the deal, though. I don't want to go back to mud wrestling basketball.
1: Well, nobody's, I, but nobody's, but also to hold on, just to cut you off for a second. Nobody is arguing. Nobody is arguing that we're going to go back to the to 2004 when it was 65 to 60 in conference finals games between the Pacers and the Pistons.
2: Okay? I don't want I don't want just to be able for a big guy just to plant his butt uh in the middle of the lane and and just be able to clog things up. You know, I don't want hand checking. I'm sorry. I like it is fun to watch the most skilled era ever in the NBA. I don't think scoring, like I don't think a lot of scoring is a problem. And there are still good defensive games. There are still, I promise you in the playoffs, we're going to see some 102 to 100 type of games. that are going to be great basketball games. But the simple fact of the matter is the number one reason that scoring is through the roof is because the players are more skilled than ever. And because you're having to guard guys 30 feet from the hoop where that would have like that wasn't even a figment of anybody's imagination 15 years ago.
1: Well, yes, that is 100% true. And to be clear again, just for people who haven't read the story yet or are not going to read the story, the NBA makes any changes to the rules. The goal is not for anybody involved from people who think like Drew Holiday, who I'll get to in a second, who thinks that you should be able to play more defense to Joe Dumars or anybody else. Literally everybody said we're not going back to 20 years ago. I think the question is, has the game – like then it was horrible to watch. They mm-hmm. instituted a bunch of rule changes to make more offense come into the game. More offense came into the game. Teams got smarter. Teams now are much more judicious in where they get their shots from. There are more deserves a lot of credit for that, for the way he and James Harden really – and Mike D'Antoni helped revolutionize the way teams really look at the court and study where to get shots from and get the most efficient shots in the most efficient way. Eric Spolstra too. Yeah. Eric Spolstra, all these guys, Steve Kerr with the warrior, all these guys, like all these coaches have done a great job of finding ways to manipulate defenses and create more space, more shooting everywhere on the court. Like Tim said, now, instead of like 10 years ago, Ryan Anderson was a revolutionary guy as a stretch four. Kevin Love was a revolutionary guy as a stretch four. now it's Chet Holmgren 10 years later as a stretch five, Nicole Jokic is a stretch five. Joel Embiid is a, a you know, whether you want to call him a stretch five or not, a guy who can easily hit open threes. Like those are the guys that are really bending defenses. Carl Towns, obviously I can't forget him. I don't even know Tim's moniker for him, but, um, big
2: Spimo, self, yeah, they, self-proclaimed self greatest shooting big man of all time. Yeah, they, baby. There you
1: go. I set you up for it, but I do think th- So it's not like if over there is zero and now we're at a hundred, I think the goal would be to get it to like 85 or 90 and move it back a little bit the other way. And I think where the interesting thing you said there is referring to the playoffs. And when I asked a bunch of people about this, not surprisingly, Drew Holiday, one of the most physical defenders in the league, one of the best defenders in the league. When I said to him, hey, you think that there's a balance between offense and defense? He immediately said no and started (laughs) laughing. Mm -hmm. And I said, I thought you might say that. And we talked about it for a while. And then I said, hey, if you could change something, what would you change? And he, he immediately said, without thinking, call every game like a playoff game. Because that's when the games are the best. And that's when people watch the most. And that's when the competition's the best. Now, to me, the, the inference there is, and I mean, he just said it to me after, we talked about it for a while. As we all know, in the playoffs, you're able to be more physical as a defender and get away with it than in the regular season. Hey, that's season. what
0: James Williams was doing. <laughs> that's right. He's <laughs> yeah, like a playoff baby. game.
1: <laughs> but I do think, like, for example, Jason Tatum and Giannis Tenacupo are big physical guys who are obviously very skilled, right? Both of those guys like to get in the lane and use their off arm to shove off the defender and create space and then score. They almost never get called for a foul on that. But I mean, if the defense is a master
2: of that too, Luca's 250-ish pounds and James is Harden a, just a bull.
1: Yep. James Harden, another guy, right? A those guys are all
2: ballet feet, but a bull.
1: Right. So those guys are all able to use their bodies to create and arms to create space and be physical and get room to score. But if a defender does the same thing to those guys, they're almost always going to get called for a foul. And so I think if anything changes from my conversations with Joe Dumars to talking to Drew to talking to all these other people, I think like we've seen the NBA take away some of James Harden's various tricks over the years and the rip-through mm. move and stuff like that, I think all that really might change here is just maybe letting defenders be a little more physical, maybe preventing some of these offensive players from having quite the same ability to create these advantages just to try to balance the, the playing field out a little bit so, it's not so shifted towards the offense. But we're not yeah. going to be in a world where it's going to be 95 to 90 even again. I mean, the games are going to be 125, 120 almost, no matter what is done, because there's so many threes shot. And to your point, McMahon, there's so many skilled players now. Like Mike Brown said it perfectly. It's like you can't, you, there's really not a way to put the cat in the back in the bag with this stuff. A lot of it's yeah. just the way the game is now.
2: Yeah. And, and it was good that they got rid of some of the ridiculous free throw hunting, you know, that, the the non-basketball played free throw hunting, because nobody wants to see that, but people want to see the great skill. People want to see, you know, the, the wide open floor and these guys create, and, you know, the, the these guys who can shoot it from, you know, 25,
0: 28, 30 feet. 59. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. Right.
2: Be able to do that. Honestly, I've got something I want the competition committee to change, and it, it would benefit offenses. Ooh. But like when there's a lob, the act of shooting starts when the guy leaves the floor, not when he catches the ball. The act of shooting, if you're catching an alley-oop, starts when you leave the floor. If a guy is fouled in the air while going to catch a lob, that's a shooting foul.
1: I do like that. I do like that that rule change. I do think that's a good idea
2: because what it's one of the most exciting plays in the in in the game and like it should also not a be a dangerous
1: play if you end up yeah. undercutting a guy too
2: right it should not be a good strategy to be able to just hack guy before he catches the ball knowing that it's going to be instead of a instead of two points it's going to be uh ball out of bounds like again that's a that's a rule that would benefit offenses but it would benefit the viewing experience of of watching the NBA game well, Some more points, damn it!
0: When you when they say that they're studying it, it's code. The competition committee is studying it. It's code for they're going to make changes. Um, on
1: this one, on this one, I can't have under- a bad
2: boy. We can't have Joe Dumars in charge of this crap because they were. I mean, come on, dude, that was hideous
1: basketball. I, champions, I
2: don't, but hideous basketball.
1: I don't. Uh, well, in the What's O4 Magic doing?
2: ain't busy. Let's get Magic involved here.
1: <laughs> the O four Let us tweet re- through <laughs> it. <laughs> the 04 pistons were pretty close to the uh the 89 90 pistons too. Um but look, I don't like I said, I'm not 100% sure they're going to change anything, but I do like and like I said, I do ultimately think if it is anything changed, it's more of a discussion with the referees to allow a little bit more physicality, not a lot, not like tackling guys again, but allowing a little bit more of that. So these perimeter players have some sort of a chance at guarding these elite offensive players, because otherwise, like again, these guys are so good and so skilled. And especially now with Tatum and Luca and like Yon, I mean, these guys are also huge that if they have the ability to use their bodies and size in ways that the defenders can't, there's, there's just almost no way to guard. And they should
0: outlaw, uh, Giannis's spin move would bring scoring down (laughs) instantaneously. (laughs) Everybody knows he's going to do it. And, it works eight times a game. It's wild. Pretty good. It's, I think it's just because he's such a freight train. What are you going to do? You you're, take that charge. I know. You're loading up and thinking, my God, please help me. And then all of a sudden he does the loop-de-loop. Listen, Giannis and goes
2: in that spin move. I'm like the Brooklyn Nets. I ain't taking that charge. <laughs>
1: But that is the, you make a good point McMahon about watching the old games. Cause I, I even got asked to, I did a radio ESPN radio hit earlier and somebody, one of the hosts was like, Oh, so these guys are just not playing defense now. Right. Isn't that the deal? And I brought that up. Like if you don't think NBA teams are really playing defense, watch, watch a quarter of an NBA game today, any two teams, and then go watch the showtime Lakers and the Celtics play in the finals in the eighties. And it. It, the guys on most of the guys on the court aren't moving 80% of the time well and just the spacing
2: the the how much more ground do you have to cover some of these guys spot up at 26 27 feet and are legit right. threats there
0: Listen, as opposed say, to
2: 16 feet where like you can cover your
1: man and help and not have to move very far yes we're well, also just it. not moving it'd be one guy dribbling one guy guarding them, and eight guys watching most of the time
0: come to an nba game when they open the gates you you know come really early and watch the guys who aren't even playing go through their pregame warmups yeah and them shoot like 80% on their three pointers that they're practicing much less what you see in actual when the starting guys come out there and warm up
2: well and um, and the ball handling ability like we talk about the shooting and the spacing yeah but dude, dude like Again, the power forward position to me, just look at how much the power forward position has changed. To now like you've got these guys that are shooters that can put it on the floor, that can pass. I mean the the skill of the of the average NBA player, much le- much less a superstar. The skill of these guys has just improved so much over the last even 10
0: or 15 years. Go back and go on YouTube and watch some of that not just the LeBron baskets, watch to two thousand and seven, not nineteen ninety seven not two thousand and four, two thousand and seven, and that's LeBron, like that's LeBron not even in like you know he was in his he was in a max contract by then. this wasn't his rookie year, and tell me if that's well, that was
1: that was the last year of his rookie deal, right What's the 2007? last year' of his rookie deal?
0: Right Well, all I'll say is i because it was the first. Time he'd ever pulled something like that off in the playoffs. It's on the pantheon wall for his performances. By LeBron's standards, it's not anywhere near one of his most impressive playoff performances because he hadn't done it before and he had to prove it, you know, that's there. But when it actually comes to the feats on the court, no. And that just sells, you know, LeBron bridges all the eras, you know and and that and you know to, just to watch how he plays different now. Forget about the rest of the game. So something tells me no matter what the uh, rule changes is, LeBron will be fine with it. He'll figure out a way to handle it. All right. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to Bon Temps and McMahon. Thank you for listening to us. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: Adios, amigos.